Arboria. Because pandemic. Because pandemic. Hey everyone, welcome to Yeah But the Podcast. My name is Vivian Gabor, and today is a very special episode for many, many reasons. And by many, many reasons, I mean two specific reasons. Um, (laughs) The first reason (laughs) is welcome to episode 50. It only took me... Wait, I I think I started the podcast in twenty March of twenty eighteen. So it took me almost three years to get to episode fifty, but okay. it's been a rough three years. So we'll allow that to be the thing. But also, the other reason it's very special is because welcoming back a guest who we haven't had a one on one episode since twenty eighteen. Yeah. Um. Although you heard her voice in our episode about. Uh, Addison Verrill and Paul Bateson and all of them. Um, welcome to the podcast, Kim Douthit. Thank you for having me back. I always enjoy when I'm on here. Of course. You were like my favorite person when I was in Seattle. I, I would not, I didn't know that many people. And so I was like, every other week or so, I was like, can you just like come on my podcast? <laughs> help. I lived within walking of, uh, mm-hmm. you were, was that? not crescent um yeah it was the crescent it was, it was crescent okay uh you're yeah. recording there and i live with him walking of it so it was also <laughs> super easy for me to get there and uh, i mean who was gonna turn down back in those days i would get a dozen donuts and we'd have popcorn and coffee and oh yeah booze and it was oh it was amazing it was i uh, <laughs> it was awesome and it's i appreciate anytime i can just like show up and talk about the weird shit that i know <laughs> oh yeah about. oh yeah in the weirdest place possible Yes. I mean, I feel like it's okay since it's the 50th episode to talk a little bit about the past as well as the future. Mm -hmm. Um, But the place we were recording, so the Crescent Lounge, which I hear is no longer a gay bar. um, Oh, really? Yeah, apparently. I I don't know all of the tea, but that's all I know. Um, It's a very, very haunted bar that Mm -hmm. I was working in two nights a week, plus like during the day, every day, (laughs) fixing (laughs) it up all on my own. It was great. Um, but we would get there at like 10 a.m. on a Tuesday because mm-hmm. that's when I was allowed to record and we used all of the karaoke equipment to record and I'd get a dozen donuts. Yep. My manager would make coffee. Oftentimes we would spike it with several yes. things. Yes. <laughs> Eat giant okay. bowls of popcorn, have like movies playing in the background and just talk about literally anything. It was <laughs> it was amazing. It was truly the best experience I've ever had. And then, I'm, <laughs> and then I moved to New York and everything went to pot because it all went on Zoom. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, you know, all of the podcasts I'm recording these days are over Zoom because, <laughs> yep. because hashtag pandemic. Uh, mm. I-, I will say the one upside. <laughs> Giant <What>? question mark. <laughs> uh, well, 
getting very comfortable recording over Zoom and recording more remotely uh, has mm. opened up some other opportunities for me in terms of recording and even just some projects I've worked on being able to bring people in from New York or from, you know, London or, or yeah. wherever uh, and not be worrying about how are we going to get all these people in the same room? It's just, well, yeah, we all, absolutely. We all have I Zoom mean, I did a, I did a play over zoom. I've attended a yeah. wedding over zoom. Mm -hmm. um, I've recorded so many episodes over zoom. Um, and I think, the best part about it is, well, Zoom realizing that they had a corner on the market, but then um, how they've slowly upgraded the software yeah. so that now, like, when I first started doing it, it was a little rocky here and there. And every once in a while, you'd have to be like, okay, we're going to stop recording and start again and try uh -huh. to get a clean recording. Whereas now, uh, I haven't had that problem in months. No, so, one good on them. I'll use a a, a um, platform called Zencaster sometimes too. Some of the stuff I've been working on, we've been using Zencaster, mm. which is also a, a an interesting one uh, for recording. But it's yeah, it, it, it's if you have you kind of have to look. I think at the good things that <laughs> come out of this time because I don't like looking at an entire year and being like, well, yeah. fuck me. <laughs> uh, and and one of the things is is I think the remote connections be it podcasting mm -hmm. be it plays being it just uh, this need to stay in contact with people mm -hmm. there's people i've been speaking to regularly who i haven't really talked to since grad school or college at least yeah. outside of facebook you know? yeah talk <laughs> once a year hey happy new year how's life been going cool yeah see you next year exactly <laughs> where it's it's like all right, we're doing this. Let's do this. Let's let's mm -hmm. do this. So, I mean, that's that's cool. That's that's, yeah. you know, if nothing else, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, okay. I don't know if you've have you had a chance to watch either of the the comedy the like year-end comedy specials that came out either Yearly Departed or Death to 2020? I have not. Okay. Uh, they haven't been super high up on my priority list. Um, That's fair. Uh, <laughs> They're very I, good. Like I'm not. I'm not dishing on them at all. They're very good. I, I've heard uh, good things. I. I. The I've reason been for my top ten 2020 horror for and mm. so that that's kind of the last week or so was really devoted to all the stuff I hadn't had a chance to watch yet uh in on the that's horror fair. avenue but yeah well the reason it, it came to mind was because you're talking about wanting to focus on the good things rather than the bad things of 2020 and so yearly departed is like a stand-up comedy special with several female comics who um it's it's set up like it's a funeral and they're giving um eulogies to things we lost in 2020 oh that's cool but it's it's things like we lost our pants and we lost this <laughs> and we lost this. So it's very funny and very uplifting and like letting yourself be like, some good things came out of this year. Some good things happened. And then death to 2020 is very much like an onion version of the news. So like you're just sitting there an hour and a half in and you're just like, I forgot all these terrible things happened. <laughs> I think my brain just was traumatized and just put it in a little box and closed the lid. And now you just opened that lid again. And oh my God, this year was terrible. What are we doing? <laughs> I, I will say, uh, I don't think I've ever had a year where I've had where I've seen a headline 
and I've immediately checked to make sure it wasn't an onion headline. Yeah. I've never had a year where that's happened so often where I see a headline I'm like that can't be true. Oh, fuck CNN. Yeah. Okay. That's true. <laughs> that's not the onion. Oh, fuck. we made it through. We got through it. We, we found ourselves in yet another year. Um, Although people are starting to, like, I'm trying to think positively, but then I saw a gif the other day where someone took the the numbers in the movie 2012 and then changed the two and the one. And they were like, maybe they just got it wrong. And it's like, no, 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 don't jinx us like that. Don't do that. Don't put that energy out into the universe. We don't need more giant tidal waves. Just please stop. That's the, that's, you know, we've had forest fires. We've had pandemics. We don't need tsunamis. Yeah, let's not. Let's not do that. (laughs) Please and thank you. Um, But yeah, it's 2021. New Year happened. It's we're in this marvelous state of it's like the honeymoon stage of any new year. You're a couple days in. You're like, anything can happen. It'll be wonderful. It'll be beautiful. Um, And it's so that's how I'm choosing. Exactly. Exactly. It's we haven't even had a Monday yet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just I'm choosing to look on the positive side. I pulled out my tarot cards yesterday morning, and this morning I was just like, I'm gonna just. I, I turned on some like Himalayan singing bowls music and was just nice. like, I'm going to zen out for a second and just let myself breathe, get over like breathe out some of the 2020 energy and just, uh. <laughs> and then I did, I pulled a good card both days. It was the same card. Ooh. And I don't know how that happened because I shuffled real well. Um, it's a good sign. That's a good sign. Yeah. It's a very good sign that the same card came up and it was the three of wands, which is just, um, um the future is bright there's a there's a lot of clear good intentions going into the air it's like okay i'm just gonna keep that energy that's good that's a good mindset i'll I'll hold on to that keep that keep that i like it i like it um but okay i'm just very glad that we finally found time to sit down and record a podcast because we've actually been talking about it all year Yes, we um, have. Yeah. But you are a very difficult person to pin down anymore. And I'm saying that <laughs> I'm saying that in a very positive way. Like you <laughs> are on so many podcasts. You are teaching so many classes. It's amazing. I don't even know what you're doing anymore because you're doing so many things. I don't either most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, what day is it? Where am I? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> um but why, why don't you tell me a little bit about like what you're doing now? Because you, you've done so much, even in the last few days. Yeah. Uh, so I, I is still doing ghoulish tendencies, uh, the podcast that, that Gabby and I do, uh, we do it biweekly. And part of that is because of the massive amounts of research we put into each episode. Mm-hmm. I admire the heck out of, of, any true crime podcast too can be weekly, but I also feel like, you know, I, I listen to them and I'm like, it's the same information I hear over and over and over. And I kind of pride myself on the fact that we find, we try to, at least there's sometimes mm-hmm. there isn't much, new, but we try to be yeah. really and, and find new things. Well, and you're also with the weekly ones, you're also talking about people who generally are getting paid 
fairly large amounts to do their podcast. So they yes. don't have other jobs and they, they can spend a lot of time researching. We, uh, <laughs> our, our Patreon is small, but mighty, but not mighty enough for us to give up any sort of day job. <laughs> <laughs> I feel um, that my other podcast has a Patreon and we don't have any subscribers yet, but we are posting episodes. So go look up patreon.com slash Y2K reruns pod. Uh, <laughs> so I, I feel, I feel that, <laughs> uh, I just, I actually just recorded on a podcast called don't read the Latin earlier in the week. And it's, it's a horror podcast. It's, it's, uh, Jen lovely who, who does it. She's absolutely amazing. I met her at Crypticon a couple of years ago and we did our top 10 horror for 2020 wrap up, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and, uh, yeah, teaching, we're kind of, we're on hiatus now because of the holiday, but I start up again, Monday, uh, online theater classes, horror discussion group, which is really fun to teach. Um, I've had an awesome group of teenagers and we've been, we watch, uh, movies over zoom and, and talk about it in the chat throughout and then, uh, have a, have a discussion about it. So that's been, that's, that's been kind amazing. of amazing. Yeah. And I get paid to do that. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I would just do this on my in my free time. Like, this thanks is, for yeah. giving me money. <laughs> this is fun for me, but okay, totally. I'll I'll take I'll take money for this. <laughs> uh, it's been really interesting though, because you know, I um, for anyone who doesn't know, I I direct uh, short horror films at one of the theaters I work with, Youth Theater Northwest, each summer, which we did this summer despite the pandemic. Wow, brave. We, we had a very good system down. Um, it mostly involved all of our films had to be transferred outside, mm. which was a trip because some of them were not designed to be outside. <laughs> we made it work. Uh, a lot of willing suspension of disbelief. And then um, a lot of trying to cheat shots to look like the kids were closer together than they were because... Hey, you need to learn how to use perspective and stuff. That's a good lesson. It's a good lesson. And, and you know, we were very careful. Like, when, when we were filming, they'd take their masks off. Because uh, a couple times we'd have... Mo everyone, like, if it was a close-up, everyone else was still wearing their masks, right? All the crew mm -hmm. was wearing their masks the whole time. And every so often, we'd be like, two-thirds of the way through a scene and i'd be watching the monitor and i'd be like motherfucker cut so and so we see you in the shot and your mask is on oh no <laughs> and so we'd have to redo it because we didn't originally think you could see but then we adjusted just mm -hmm. a little and suddenly there's this kid in the background wearing a mask and so yeah. um but uh no, I was really impressed. We were still able to do it. And very successfully, I thought the, the films turned out really nicely. The kids had a great time. I had a great time. Uh, it was also all female screenwriters, which was really oh, cool. cool. Yeah, it's the first. Is it the first year we've done that? I think it's the first year we've done that. Um, so that was that was really neat. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I like you earlier, uh, earlier in the not even that long ago it was like a month or two ago i was doing <laughs> a zoom show mm -hmm. uh a, a zoom play in fact i think the one you did i was in the first incarnation of it oh back yeah in, early in, yeah in the spring it's and a cool show it's a cool show i i was disappointed i couldn't continue but then i got offered this other show and it was less work and i got paid <laughs> Yeah, that's like, fair. I couldn't turn that down. <laughs> I, I felt really bad when I emailed the director. Yeah. I was like, I'm really sorry. I mean, I have to say, doing a play over Zoom, I almost don't ever want to work 
on stage again. It was so wonderful. Like there, you didn't have to worry about which side of the stage you were exiting on. You didn't really have blocking. It was just act, just, just act. And then turn your screen off and turn then you can do whatever off. the heck you want for the next 10 minutes till your next scene comes up. It was so great. I think I found myself stressing a lot about the camera on and off uh, in a mm. way that I don't when I'm on stage. Cause when I'm on stage, I'm just like, and I go on and I come off and I go on and I come mm. off. And, and with the camera, I was like, fuck, what if I, what if it's not working? What if I forget to turn my microphone on? I just did uh, as a fundraiser, a, a radio version of it's a wonderful life for youth. Oh, cool. It was really fun. Uh, I'd say it's, you can still watch it, but I think by the time this is released, that's not true anymore. So I won't say oh. that. Um, <laughs> sorry about it. <laughs> sorry. But we had, you know, we had really one and a half rehearsals and um, most of my stuff we didn't go through. So it's, it's, you know, you're flying by the seat of your pants and you're like, all right, I hope I turn my camera on at the right time. Mm-hmm. I hope I remember to turn my microphone on. I hope I'm looking because they had a real stylized radio show way they want us to do it and Mm. and so on stage i feel very comfortable in front of a camera i feel very comfortable but over zoom i'm still because like you can see my house in the background or my apartment i I sound sheeshier than i am my my (laughs) apartment behind me and like i'm very aware of that like is there a mess anywhere i need to clean up you Mm. know is my cat gonna jump up in the middle because she does (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she does uh the amount of times when we're recording for ghoulish and and matilda just does a little walk through um, <laughs> or even my tea and true crimes i do these these uh true crime presentations for spooks in seattle and they're all on zoom and mm-hmm. you know the cat walking through at any given moment or messing up my powerpoint presentation it, it's i worry a lot more yeah or my internet giving out there's so many things. And on stage, I'm just like, eh. <laughs> the stuff that's going to go wrong on stage, I'm very comfortable with. I'm still not comfortable with it on Zoom. <laughs> that was a that's very fair. long-winded way of saying. <laughs> I'm glad that you. <laughs> well, I think, I think it's because <laughs> at the start of the pandemic, I had done a lot of like digital drag stuff. I hosted uh, a couple okay. drag shows online. Like I taught myself zoom i taught myself some twitch i taught myself how to use obs and all of that kind of thing um i've done a lot of recording of singing i've done like mm, okay all that kind of stuff so zoom for me at this point is just kind of like old hat i'm just oh right. you press that and you have this shortcut and you do that but also we had a very good stage manager for the play that i was in and if we ever were not able to turn off our camera they they were able to so oh that's awesome it took a lot of the pressure off I, nice. i'll say you know because god bless gabby she does all the editing of our podcast um <laughs> mostly cuz i don't want to but yeah you know. <laughs> but I mean, i'm, I'm it's so much work and I know it's how much work it is. So much work. Um, because I, I video edit and mm-hmm. that's a shit ton of work. And uh there is a part of me, I think when we first started doing the podcast, I said this to her, I was like, you know, I this is so pretentious to say I'm talent. I want to show up, <laughs> do my shit. Like I'm good mm-hmm. at my storytelling, I'm good at my research. I want to show up, do my shit, and and then turn off 
Um, I'm also not as anal retentive with the editing as she is. Like part of it is that <laughs> she needs to cut out like every um that happens. Mm, see, so my second podcast that I started, I was like that when I first started editing it. I was like, I want us to sound as smart as possible. We can't have any ums. <laughs> I'm going to cut out the things where I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, and then about three episodes of that later, I was just like, Fuck oh, it. Fuck I don't that. care. Yeah, You're allowed to know that. that I don't know everything. That's why this podcast is very much just a plug and play. Like I yep. clip the things onto the beginning and end and then we're good mm-hmm. to go. <laughs> like, well, and, and, and now just, I've passed on the editing of my other podcast to the other producers. So it makes life nice so much, so much better. I could just record <laughs> and then I don't even have to think about posting it. Well, like and, it, just, and it just shows up. <laughs> it's, you know, and, and Gabby, if you're listening to this, you're amazing and I adore you and you do so much work and it's so appreciated. <laughs> and, and and she's mellowed a little with, with cutting the ums, but I know she puts an insane amount of work into mm-hmm. editing it. And I admire that so much because I, I don't know, video editing to me is more intuitive, which is weird because... Mm. In some ways, they are similar mediums, but they're also not. With with when I'm editing a video, I still feel like director brain is on. I mm-hmm. feel like I'm creating something that I can see and hold, and I'm like I'm comfortable with this. Where editing audio, I just don't have the wherewithal to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I. It was really funny. So I was working on a project that hasn't been released yet. So I'm not actually going to talk about the project, but I was editing it and my roommate was watching it and he was sitting there watching it. He was like, you know, you can tell that you're a podcaster by how you edit your videos. I'm like, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) But apparently my editing style is very similar in both. At least I have a signature. That's all I can say. (laughs) That's good too. That's good. Like, it's important to have a a perspective (laughs) (laughs) apparently um so okay so it's 2021 it's 2021 it's 2021 1990 was 31 years 31 years ago that's how i that's that's my frame of reference for everything because that was the year i was born so everything that i do i'm like that was like 20 years before i was born or that was 30 years mm-hmm. after I was born or things like that. So in my mind, I'm just like, I I can't, I don't want to admit that some of the things that are my favorite things on the planet are like well over drinking age at this point. The year, the the millennium is over drinking age now. Yeah, it is. So it's things are about to get real it's scary. Shots. <laughs> it's taking probably shots of cheap tequila uh-huh. uh, along with all of the gays in Puerto Vallarta that just went <laughs> over <laughs> into the water in the capsized party boat. Um, <laughs> oh, we're not sad. We are not sad for them. They deserved it. I saw a joke that someone was like, well, the fish in Puerto Vallarta are about to stay up for three days straight. Like... <laughs> <laughs> but I so but I'm also at a point in my life where because I'm 30 years old, so like I'm super Child. mature now. Child. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh-huh. I heard something recently um that 20 is when you figure yourself out, 30 is when you create your plans, and 40 is when you actually get to like live your life. 
So oh, cool. It, then. That made me feel a lot better. <laughs> then living my life is in sight at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I'm old enough now to realize that New Year's resolutions don't work. They're never a good thing. They're, they never happen. Okay, 31 ever. years to figure that out. <laughs> Shh. Uh, but um, I thought it would be fun for the two of us to kind of talk about some of the things that we're interested in pursuing this year, things that may have started last year that we're excited to see come to fruition this year. Maybe it's just some goals. Some some cool. guidelines, really. <laughs> I like I like goals and guidelines more than I like resolutions. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it's it sounds kinder. <laughs> so it's, goal it's a lot more like, leeway. Yeah, I have this goal. I have no time frame for this goal. I just have this goal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It it could happen this year, or maybe I'll just lay the groundwork for it this year, and it'll happen in five years. Exactly. No, I, I like that. I like I like goal. That's, that's mm-hmm. smooth. it's smooth coming out of your mouth. <laughs> like a good scotch. Like a good scotch. <laughs> that's what twenty twenty one needs to drink. <laughs> thought I'd speak your language there for oh. a minute. <laughs> you know how much I love that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm more of a rum drinker, but I I understand. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. That's that's I uh, that's. that's I'm gonna stick with my whiskey, but I wouldn't. I won't like turn rum <laughs> down. But <sighs> yeah, I don't want to sip rum. That's completely a... fair. I would never drink rum straight ever. No, like I would never drink it gay either. But I... <laughs> <laughs> what if it was fluid? <laughs> would you fluid, do? I might be able to. I might be able to handle. <laughs> it's fluid already. <laughs> uh goals all right do you have goals what's what's one of your goals um one of my goals is to do a um full collection a full fashion collection and a runway show by the end of the year Ooh, that is a very cool goal yeah and it's that's plenty of time that's 12 months Mm -hmm. gives me like nine months to design and create and then three months to figure out who i can talk into being a model and (laughs) where i can have it and hopefully by then we'll have figured out how to do things safely outside yes yes being in person again will be will be a nice thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) that's a good goal all right i like that i like that goal yeah that's respectable (laughs) what about you uh so i had started laying the groundwork this year for a book Ooh. yeah um i uh i had done and say the first time i actually covered him was uh i i would talk casually on my murder tour about him uh usually we were walking from point to point because the killings he did he's a local killer but he killed in Tacoma so Mm, I feel uh, like I should know who this is and I'm (laughs) feeling bad that I don't (laughs) uh well uh, I'm gonna say axe does that help axe killer no because there are like five million of them that I can think of throughout the U.S. or possibly it was just one who rode the train everywhere uh no I don't know Mm. so I covered him for a class I taught on the dark history of Washington. And then I did, 
a tea and true crime about him. And then I covered him for ghoulish tendencies because I can't let <laughs> oh, the shoot. case drop. Then I should know him because mm -hmm. I probably already listened to the episode. It was an earlier episode. Uh, then I've definitely listened. <laughs> so I pay attention. I pay attention. <laughs> I promise. It's, it's a case I can't let go. And I keep digging deeper and deeper. And part of the reason why it bugs me is that nobody's really uh, written a whole lot on him. He pops up in, in things here and there, but um, nobody has really done an in-depth look at his life and his killings. I think I found it. I think it was uh, episode 26. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure possibly i don't know i don't know what episode it was uh i don't think it was 26 because it was early and we've only oh, then, had that was uh seattle's forgotten serial killer oh no that was uh that was the interview i did and that was um Renton. yes 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 got that it, was also an interesting one because that was one i hadn't heard of no the 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 gentleman i'm talking about was a killer named jake bird uh, episode six of Ghoulish Tendencies. There you go. <laughs> For those who want to hop over there after this episode. And he, yeah, <laughs> he uh, was known at the time as the Tacoma Axe Killer. And... <laughs> right, that makes him sound... <laughs> that sounds so fun. <laughs> it puts it all out there, which I appreciate. That mm -hmm. you, know, you know exactly what he did. Um, yeah. But he... He killed two women in Tacoma in 1947 with an axe. And he was caught That'll the same it. night he did it. Because, you know, he was covered in blood mm. and brain matter. That is not exactly... I mean, that's not unusual for Tacoma, but... <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but it was, it was 1947. And uh, they, you know, this was back when speedy trials actually meant something. So within mm. a month or so, he was, he was uh, on trial and then was sentenced they found him guilty trial last a couple days was sentenced to to death so then he starts talking and confessing Ooh. to killing after killing after killing he confessed to like 33 other murders oh my god and from the details he provided, they actually closed, I think it was 11 cases that they closed from the details he provided. And they were looking into others when they executed him. Mm. Because uh, Washington was like, yeah, we've wasted enough time. <laughs> we're gonna, we're At this point, he's just buying his own time. So we well, should just. It was, it was, it. it was, you know, he was executed in 1949. Um, okay. He he did the he committed his last killings in late 47 so it hmm. really wasn't that much time given what he was confessing to but uh he's most well known because he laid down when the verdict was was uh, announced he laid out this hex on anyone who had anything to do with with his trial um and the negative things that happened from his trial and like within a year six of the people connected to the trial had died mostly of heart attacks to be fair a lot of them were old men but so still that's, that's pretty those are some pretty good numbers <laughs> there's some, some reasonable numbers but uh most people know about the case because of the jake bird hex but mm. uh i find the case fascinating because he started killing in the 20s and we can trace some of the murders, he gave pretty good accounts of some of them when he was confessing. And some of them, it's like, I don't know, I killed some guy in Los Angeles on a street corner. He was a grocer. I think it was about here and it was around this time. 
So what I'm trying to do now with all my research is there's no comprehensive list anywhere of all the people mm-hmm. he confessed to killing. So I'm going through lots of records. I'm reaching out to relatives of some of his confirmed victims to get information on some of them. Uh, I'm trying to go through, it's a little harder in the pandemic, trying to go through old police records to pinpoint who some of these unknown murders might have been. Um but it's it's a lot of research and it's going to it's because he we also know very little of his background he Mm. spoke very very little about his upbringing and i desperately want to find out more and so uh he was born in louisiana so at some point i'm probably going to try to find i'm going to take a trip to louisiana and try to find let me know when you do because i want to (laughs) go all right all right i will be Uh, an assistant (laughs) but it's uh I can't shake this case. It will not let mm. me go. And so I decided to lean into it. And mm-hmm. uh, now now I'm writing a book. That's, That's a lot awesome. more lugging, long-winded. Any question you ask me, you're going to get a long-winded response. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's a book is a, I cannot tell you how many times in my life I have sat down to write just an autobiography because I'm, I know I'm just a boring white guy, but I've gone, I've had so many <laughs> weird things happen to me that I'm like, at some point I need to write it all down. Yeah. Otherwise, knowing my mind, I'm going to forget three quarters of it. Oh, yeah. I'll get like yeah. two pages in and uh, like that part of my brain that's like, no one cares, kicks in and I just stop writing it. So I have like <laughs> five million like two failed attempts at books. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and this is one that very much, I mean, the research alone will take me a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a good true crime book, especially when you're looking at a historical one, can take years to research and write. Yeah. So uh, this is a, this isn't a just 2021 project. This is, um, I mean, even right now, I've barely written, written anything because most of what I've been doing is, is research. Mm-hmm. and note taking and and tracing things and i have a murder wall it's great <laughs> <laughs> it's good that people can't really come in my apartment right now because it would scare them perfect but uh yeah it's, yeah it's the it's the background you use for zoom when you really want to worry people <laughs> <laughs> how true. long have you been quarantined have you left your apartment recently <laughs> should we talk do you need do you need to use better help <laughs> It is the, you know, it's funny when you live by yourself during quarantine, Mm. it is an interesting, an interesting thing. It is an interesting thing. Uh, I got very lucky in that I'm living with people during quarantine. Yeah. Like I had been, I had meant to have moved to LA at this point. Yeah. Um, I meant to have moved like in June or July Mm -hmm. and then the money fell through and I was like, well, I'll do it in the fall. And then the money fell through again because pandemic. Um, and I was like, okay, fine, I'll move in January. And then still, still no budget, but I have two roommates. So that's helpful. <laughs> built in, built in social circle. <laughs> exactly. And like all of our best friends live within like a block radius of us. So, oh, that's nice. That's nice. So we're able to kind of have our little bubble. <laughs> well, and, and during, I mean, uh, theater stuff went back in person in july here uh we're back 
you know, lockdown again, we're back to being all on zoom, but I will say in the summer, I was doing a lot of in-person teaching, um, and the filming hmm. and everything. And so that was good because I think I would have gone completely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs if I had it. <laughs> it's fine. It's great. It's fine. We're fine. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting to me because I'm, I'm fully on board the being safe, being, you know, people need to stay home. People need to be safe. People need to be taking precautions. I am not as vigilant as, Oh, vigilance, not the right word. Um, I, I have people who, who are so like, they take pride in the fact that the only people I've seen in the last, you know, eight months are my husband or child or whoever I live with. And I'm like, good for you. Have a cookie. Um, you <laughs> people. It is, it is an entirely yeah. different thing when you live with people and I've gotten some crap from people for when I went back in person teaching and I'm like, I don't really have a choice. Yeah. I need to pay my bills. I will not get paid if I don't work. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's awesome that you get normal unemployment or it's awesome that your <laughs> company is completely at home. Mine's not. <laughs> yeah. And I think some people need to stop like smelling their own farts and, and acknowledge <laughs> abstinence only education doesn't work and expecting yep. people to completely 100%. It's a place of privilege to be able to say, I'm not going out ever. Yeah. That's privilege yeah. because what about the people who are working in your restaurants and your stores, your service, your childcare, your the people who are delivering your groceries. If you're mm -hmm. that, if you're able to get your groceries delivered, like and your Uber eats and your postmates, mm -hmm. like, good for you that you're not going anywhere um that is privilege yeah and so <laughs> well and on top of that humans are gregarious creatures like it's in our dna that we need to have social con contact mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i think the the goal ought to be smart contact like smart contact. knowing who you're spending time with mm -hmm. who they've spent time with being able to say okay if I spend time with this person, I need to think twice about spending time with other people in the next yeah. couple of weeks. Like mm -hmm. just the, you, it's about being conscientious, not about being quote unquote abstinent. <laughs> well, cause again, abstinence only does not work. Yeah. And, and I think, <laughs> uh, again, I, I am not advocating for throwing parties and meeting no, 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 never. and going indoors and doing all these things. But like, I have a friend who we've kind of bubbled because we were both mm -hmm. going bonkers. Yeah. Not having, and not being able to like hug somebody, not having physical contact, not seeing anyone in person. It's, it was, it was really affecting our mental health. And, and we are both two people who were living by ourselves, not really seeing anybody. Um, we, we were worked together on the horror film. So at that point we were like, we're basically married because we're, you know, <laughs> we're, we're all up in each other's business and, yeah. and because we're trying to film this thing together. And so um, we kind of gave ourselves permission to, and, and the thing was, is it like when I started um, cause my folks live local. And so we got to a point where it was okay for, for me to go out there, but it's, you know, I was saying to my friend, I'm like, I'm going to be seeing my folks and they're basically staying at home all the time, except for grocery shopping, but I am going to be seeing them. Mm -hmm. 
and without masks. So if that's something you're not comfortable with, that's totally fine. But and and it's 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 like having the safe sex talk, you know. Absolutely. It really is. And I think that's why we're having so much trouble with this is because we've never as a society been able to have those talks like maturely and succinctly. And now we're facing something that's honestly even worse. And we don't even know how to have that conversation because we couldn't talk about basic things. Basic things. And I think it's, it's easier for some people to, I don't know, we get so caught up in our own, like, I want to shame you because if I can do this, you should be able to do this. And, and Mm. I, and smugness, there's a smugness in some people with this. It that's equally as ugly to me as the people who are completely disregarding safety mm-hmm. regulations because the, the, you're not morally superior. You're smarter, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you're smarter by staying at home than the people who are, are going out maskless and doing all these things, but I, like that's not the way you're not get your points not getting across yeah and you look like just as much of an asshole as they do at some point <laughs> you know yeah absolutely um, yeah but uh yeah uh now that now that numbers are spiking as much as they are though i am happy that i'm not currently teaching in person mm-hmm. um uh, the classes have gone back online. I'm not sure some of the stuff that I'm supposed to teach starting end of January is supposed to be in person, but it's there's kind of a giant question mark because yeah. at least in the state of Washington, uh, Inslee just pushed back our, you know, I don't even know what to call it because it's not really a stay at home order, but it's a, it's not like it, it's, it's uh, the, you should stay at home. We can't tell you, you have to, but we're really, really saying you probably definitely should. <laughs> and we've closed a lot of things again. Like we've mm-hmm. shut down more indoor dining. We've shut down movie theaters. We've shut down some of the stuff that had kind of opened back up. Um, it got pushed back to mid-ish January. So mm. uh, yeah, there's just a blazing question mark. I don't know. I don't yeah. know if some of my stuff's going to go in person. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Oh, speaking of indoor dining, oh my God. (laughs) I don't know what it is about New Yorkers and their intense (laughs) need to not cook. Mm. But I, so I'm living in Astoria and we have Mm -hmm. so many restaurants near us. And I don't even, what were they calling them? There was a name, there was a name that they were calling them, but like the, the like, we're not allowed to have indoor dining anymore and it's getting cold. And all of us were like, Oh my God, finally it's winter. Like there's not going to be outdoor dining. Like restaurants are just going to shut down and things are going to get better. Numbers are going to go down. No, 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 not even tents. They're building full buildings in the street. Like to the point where I walked past one yesterday where the walls were solid and they had actual like windows, like not just like plexiglass, screwed in but like they went to home depot and got sliding windows to put in i'm like this is not outdoor dining anymore yeah that sorry for the sirens i live in oh whatever (laughs) i live i live in new york there's people have heard so many sounds in the background of this podcast um that defeats the purpose 
Like yeah. that's you're you're making yep. a new restaurant, you asshole. Like well, and they're putting heaters out there, and they're putting like they're like packing the the seats in, and then just putting a little plexiglass divider in between the tables, and it's like that's not going to do anything except maybe stop a sneeze and the air will still go around it like what are you expecting to happen here there there is a spot i was going to here up until pretty recently it was entirely outdoors not enclosed um umbrellaed and they'd put heaters up but the the tables were so far away from each other they could only fit x number of but it was yeah. it was completely oh i mean it was again it was outward dining um exactly and there i've seen a few there's a spot by me i haven't gone there but i passed it uh they they put up it's almost like individual tents around the tables oh my god I so love you can you can it's really cute and they've like decorated them with mm-hmm. with lights and so the idea is if you're if you're going to someone in your household your pod whatever then yeah, it's fine for you to be in this tiny little enclosed tent, but they're all these little like two to three person, tiny little yeah. tented tables. And I'm like, that's adorable and that's smart. A, it's a great idea. And then it's if you wanted idea. to put a little space heater in those, great, mm-hmm. go for it. Mm-hmm. But not literal, like, like it's to the point where people oh, have started God. saying, wait, so we can build all of these things for people who won't give up going out to eat but the homeless people still have say, to like but somebody without a sleep home. in doorways oh good lord where what i i don't comprehend the logic i don't there's no logic happening right now it's just pandering and i i understand that restaurants need to make money i'm mm-hmm. all for that i yeah, fully yeah. understand as a small business myself like absolutely i get it mm-hmm. but that's not the way to go about it that's- and our government should be subsidizing those those businesses so they yes. don't have to do that. Well, and I think that's what I come back around to is is it's unfortunate that people are being put in a position and businesses are being put in a position mm-hmm. where there is no alternative for them for survival because yeah. You're damned if you're if you do, you're damned if you don't. Um and that's that's chicken shit, but it's I mean it's chicken shit that that there's parents who are in a position right now to either like be able to work or monitoring their kids online. Like uh, I have a couple friends with kids who are just, I mean, <laughs> like one step away from burning their house down. Mm-hmm. They're just done. Uh, I-, I can't imagine having yeah. a child right now and trying to not just being, I mean, I, my, my nephew, has been living with my sister-in-law at my parents' house because she's a English teacher. Mm. She's a high school English teacher. And thank God my folks were able to help out. But this is a four and a half year old with no social interaction outside of adults. And like, holy fuck, man. It's it's that's a lot of energy with no way to expend it. <laughs> it's not it's not his fault. It's not anyone's. It's just, but it's it's for people who don't have in-laws or can't afford a a nanny or can't afford help Mm -hmm. they're being put in horrible horrible positions and our government is basically flipping the finger at us yeah uh and by government (laughs) i mean the republican (laughs) yeah but um sorry i should have been more specific uh yeah absolutely thank you (laughs) but it's 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 i look at what other countries are doing to try to support people and i just i i don't understand 
the disconnect that at some point in time, if if everybody below a certain income point, if they crumble, everything's going to crumble. Everything's going to so, crumble. It's going to be very interesting. It, like you can build up as much wealth as you want, but it's going to bite you in the ass at some point when there's, yeah. <laughs> there's a revolution or just it's almost It's crumbles. almost like people don't learn their history and mm. haven't like read what happened after every major plague. <laughs> you know, the one that happens people. every hundred years or so, like... <laughs> gonna storm the I don't know yeah like. absolutely let's do it <laughs> uh but it's, mom, yeah it's been fun though because my mom I mean so I was homeschooled all the way until college as That's was my right. sister and so my mom's just been sitting there laughing at everyone like oh so now you understand now you get it <laughs> like well, I was home all day with two children trying did, to get them to do homework <laughs> did your mom hold down another full-time job no, that is very yeah. true. My dad was the only one working. So um, that 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 is hugely different. Not to mm-hmm. discount the work no, no, no. involved, but for anyone right now who is trying to because it's it's disproportionately affecting women. Yes. It's disproportionately affecting working women who are being put in a position of either having to scale back on their jobs, quit their jobs, uh, take time off from their jobs to deal with the children at home where we are already a group that is disproportionately affected with childcare and child rearing and the emotional burden of everything. So it's part of where my anger gets just really going is, is I'm again, friends who have good marriages, friends whose husbands are usually fairly feminist who are still like, well, whatever you need to be dealing with the kids because my job's more important. And it's, it's brought out some ugly truths. Yeah. Um, And that that's where I get mad because if you are a stay-at-home parent, yes, it's still stressful. It is still hard and exhausting, and the kids have nowhere to go. But you're also not trying to balance an entire workday on mm-hmm. top of raising the children. That's that's. Oh yeah. Uh, I will say the best thing I think that's come out of this is parents actively being a part of the curriculum and seeing what the curriculum is like in the public schools and people. Mm-hmm realizing oh this isn't good enough (laughs) this this could be a whole heck of a lot better Mm -hmm. and I'm hoping things change you've got to support teachers you've got to support and you've got to invest money in education which we as a society don't do no well definitely not in the U.S. because you know if you educate if you educate your people they're going to start thinking and thinking Mm -hmm. is dangerous never thinking's bad That's when revolutions start happening is when people think and realize that they're not being allowed to be educated. It it drives me crazy when (laughs) I get theater students, you know, and and I'm teaching theater to them. So it's different. But like I get middle schoolers, I get high schoolers where I ask them to name presidents and they can usually don't even ask me to name presidents. (laughs) But I mean, like you can at least name the last couple. As oh, an yeah. adult, you can name the ones who were in your sphere. I can name some of them. I wouldn't be able to definitely name all of the presidents in order, but I could probably no. hit at least a third to half of them. Right? No. They 
because I, I do a game with them called the brain game where they have to, uh, you know, you give them a category and they have to, mm-hmm. to name things until somebody gets out. So you do presidents of the United States and you get one kid who's like, OK, I know who the current president is. You get another who knows who George Washington is. Maybe you get an Abe Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Maybe I get an Obama. That's it. <gasps> yeah. Not even the best president ever, JFK, who was assassinated by the CIA because he was too socialist. You know, I'm amazed how often JFK <laughs> doesn't get brought up. Like, I've That's I've so had some weird. weird. Sometimes you get kids throwing down some of the really obscure ones, and you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's because who- a lot of TV shows recently have started bringing up like really like Parks and Rec talks I- about. Um, oh, I'm forgetting his name now. <laughs> the one that was from Indiana. I don't. Know. Oh. Mm-hmm. He was like he was the one that was president for like a week before he died because he, he wouldn't dies. wear a hat on his inauguration <laughs> day. Or, but I mean, like, and I I've got the kids, you know, they're musical theater kids. So because of Hamilton, most of them can oh name um, a, a couple presidents because of Hamilton. That's one of my goals for this year is to finally watch Hamilton so I can take notes and tell everyone what's actually wrong with it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be that guy. Let people enjoy it. Don't be no, that but guy. I do I do want to watch it so I can actually like have intelligent discussions about it instead of being like, oh, Hamilton. I mean, it's 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 a piece of theater. As a piece of theater, Absolutely. I very much enjoy it. Um Absolutely. It's a piece of theater though. And I think that's mm-hmm. what people need to remember. It's a piece of theater. Yep. That's not, that's most not, of the conversations I've had about it is people are like, oh, this happened in history. I'm like, that's not what Hamilton did. And they're like, but that's what he did in the musical. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, the same way I don't watch a, a historical movie or anything that says based on a true story and assume that everything in it I'm seeing is mm-hmm. truth. Like Shakespeare's Julius Caesar is not an accurate account. <laughs> Shocking what? Enough. Uh, it's 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 what but it's, Shakespeare was not in the room when Julius Caesar was stabbed. He didn't know exactly what they said. No. Oh my god. Uh oh. Wait just a second. My speaker died on me for some reason. Or my headphones died. Or my headphones died. <gasps> Rat bastards. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I can hear you. Okay. I needed to charge um, my headphones and I didn't. <laughs> I can I can appreciate not liking the musical but i i I don't fault i mean it's a piece of theater it's not meant to be i'm just one of those people that if anything's really super popular i'm like nope i won't be part of it i cannot do this do not make me be part of of those guys (laughs) yeah although i i am a sabrina diehard and as soon as the new show the new show yeah, I love it. I love a camp soap opera. That's, I mean, I, I love it. I tried or, watching it. And to be fair, I, I watched the first, like, I don't know, four or five episodes. And I. It's not for everyone. <laughs> I couldn't. There was, there was some, I didn't appreciate some of the race stuff in the first couple episodes. Mm, that kind of tainted yeah, it for me. <laughs> it's an, it's an interesting world that they've created, but they also. I, I. That's a whole different conversation for a whole nother time. Yeah. yeah. Speaking again, though of I've of, only seen the first few episodes, so I can't yeah. really judge the whole series. I just I I kindly tapped out. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of making sure though that as you're watching something, if it's supposed to be historical, sitting there and like looking things up as you go. Uh, my roommate and I recently watched Bridgerton, which is oh, a new yeah, show on Netflix. Yeah, it's yeah. basically like a Regency era gossip girl. 
Well, it's based on a, a series of romance novels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's very well done. It does mm -hmm. obviously have some issues because we're still working through some things in this world and we're still trying to get Hollywood to catch up with some progressive ideals. Um, but it's a like very good show, but it's definitely one that we were sitting there and like every so often we were like, wait, which George was this? Which person was this? Did George, did King George the fourth really have a wife named Charlotte? Like <laughs> was, was King George really married to a black woman? What is this? Like sitting there with on our phones, <laughs> like we need to know what's real and what isn't. So we know we can enjoy the fantasy of it more. One, cause I'm that person. I'm, I'm somebody who watches something historical and is constantly looking things up throughout because I want to know what actually happened. And I Absolutely. think if a piece of of historical fiction that's based on real events can can spark that that's fantastic it yeah. should breed curiosity i think the problem i'm having is that we have a generation of young people who have had like cuz i'm i'm older than you by a year or two and, uh, <laughs> one or two years one or two months uh, and um you know, I had to, when I was a kid, if I wanted to know something, I had to work it for it. You had to look it mm -hmm. up. You had to look it up. Like in when I was a kid, we had to go to the library. Yeah. I very much knew how to use the reference concordances and history books and things like that. Encyclopedia Britannica, man. Oh, I, yes. It was amazing. Or the very first online encyclopedia world yes. books. Oh, it, was so, it was epic. <laughs> but like you there was a curiosity, you know, mm -hmm. if I didn't, and I didn't like not knowing things. And so I'd ask my parents or I'd ask my teachers or I'd look it up or I'd read a book about it. And we have a generation now where information is, is so easy, which is part of why I marvel when I tell them to look something up and then they never do. And I'm like, it's so fucking easy. It do. takes like, you all of 10 seconds, 10 seconds. But because it's there, there is a lack of drive, a lack of curiosity, mm. a lack of, of need to know these things. Yeah. Not to generalize an entire generation, but I, I see it with my students who can't be bothered to look up the simplest thing where i'll yeah. say by next week you should know what this word means in your monologue because yeah. again it'll take you 10 seconds to google and i don't want to do all your work for you don't be lazy yeah. yeah so that i think that's where you have the people the the kids the teens who take hamilton as fact yeah yeah because well, I, think, I think it's a combination yeah. of the the information being so available that you don't think you need to look it up because if you ever needed that information you could just have it right there ready to go right. mm -hmm. but it's mm -hmm. also it's it's that probably i would say 50 50 it's that hand in hand with an education system that says all you need to know is these specific words you'll get an a on the test and that's all Teach we need to, to make test. sure that you can pass the, no you're right our you're education right. system it wasn't until grad school like I went to a top university and even in that university I full-on had conversations with professors where I would answer an essay question and get it completely right mm -hmm. and it was marked as wrong because I didn't have the keywords in it right and it's like that that's not <laughs> I understand the concept you can see I understand the concept you just won't give it to me because I didn't use your keyword and yeah. your TA was the one that corrected it Mm -hmm. And then in grad school was when finally it was the, the tests were more like 
spoken tests or like open book, open note tests where they just wanted you to know the information and they didn't care how you got it into your head. Um, I will and that say really bred a lot more inquisitiveness and uh, allowed me to get excited about things in a way that I wasn't able to earlier because I am ter- personally I'm terrible at rote memorization I know some people are great at it but um, so to have teachers that were just encouraging me to ask questions and say oh if you're really interested in that I want to see 300 words on that next week yeah one well, and, and I will say for my my undergrad was a different experience um i i had uh and part of that was being i think in the i was a my bfa was a lot of um my program was a lot of uh we did a lot of of play analysis classes and a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that was essays or a lot of discussions and critical thinking and 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 that was encouraged and it was also again i might be a month or two older than you uh <laughs> But, uh, and then high school, it was not quite so teach the test when I was in high school or starting to see it a little bit. Um, but I also was very good in high school at faking it because I could short-term memory things. I could day before a test, look at something and be like, boom, cool. I'm going to go in and take this test. And the next day I'm going to, yeah, it's gone. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely had to do that. I'm the kind of person that if I have to take a test, if I don't finish it in the first 20 minutes, I will get bored. I will lose focus. Mm-hmm. I will mm-hmm. fail it because I just, obviously my mind was somewhere else by that point. Yeah. And so I would, even in college, I would finish a test, a really long, really intense test in like 20 minutes, hand it in. And the professor would be like, do you, want to maybe check that over a couple of times I'm like no if I check it over it's gonna be bad yeah and they constantly were surprised because I was I had to do the same kind of a thing where it's just like okay I just have to get the stuff into my head mm-hmm. like long enough that I can put it back on the paper and then mm-hmm. if I'm really interested in it I can go back and research again later well and I I appreciated the teachers I had who were very big on discussion and very big on, um, I actually liked where participation was part of the grade Mm -hmm. because it encouraged and not, you know, we're kids are getting bullied about it, but like, or badgered by the the professors, but um, to listen to each other's perspectives and to offer your own and sometimes be challenged and sometimes realize that, oh, I hadn't thought of that. And, uh, which I think is, is, I don't know. I feel like discussion, we don't have enough discussion where we, where we truly listen to each other and we truly listen to what each other's are, you know, what we're saying and taking it in and, and, and being open to, oh, that is a different perspective I had not thought of. And I see the merits of what you are saying. I think Mm -hmm. we, get so hung up now in in a lot of different ways on being right on being Mm -hmm. the right one and being righteous in our rightness and our yeah to the to the detriment of understanding that everyone comes to whatever they believe in some kind of logical way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you have to honor that logic whether or not you agree there's a lot of stuff out there I don't agree with oh like I was having a conversation with someone about our um lame duck president (laughs) <laughs> who I love calling him that. Um, <laughs> I just like calling him lame. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Um, saying 
the things that he, the decisions he's making, he had some kind of logic that he used to get to it. I might not agree with that logic. I, there may be huge faults in his logic, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that he didn't think through what he's doing and have reasons for doing what he's doing. Um, or th- it's the whole idea of um, no person is fully good or fully bad. We're oh, all yeah. a mixture of both. So I don't know everything about him. There may be some really great aspects to him as a person that we just do not see because that is not the character that he is portraying to the world right now. Or ever you're has. more generous about him than I am. I'm, 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 I'm just using him as an I example. But I like, can't be that generous. But as soon as he's grabbed think... by the pussy, I tune it out. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I was just using that as a very extreme example. <laughs> right. Um, I, I got lucky in that I grew up with a father who was a national debater in high school and college. Um, and so things that we, any, any conversation we had, there was immediate pushback mm-hmm. and then we would have to push back. And we kind of learned that ability to have a discussion, whether or not I used it later in life is a different <laughs> conversation. Um, but then I also had a mom who was a special education teacher and her whole philosophy of education was a Socratic method. Like, I'm not going to teach you. You're going to teach me. I may know the information, but I need you to teach me so that you remember it, Mm -hmm. Um, which Mm -hmm. is why going to college then was difficult for me because most universities, at least at that time, were not teaching in that way. And they were teaching much more. Here's the things you have to learn. You're going to learn it. Um, And then I got some kickback later on in my life when I became a teacher and I started teaching the Socratic way and was just like, okay, cool. Here's what we're talking about today. Go. Yeah. If you have a question, I will point you in the correct direction, but I'm not going to give you an answer. And I would have administrators who were like, we, we need you to teach. I'm like, I am teaching. You're just not on board with my curriculum. <laughs> well, and, and I think, again, it comes back to students who have never been given or are not consistently given the opportunity to express themselves or to to learn how to critically think because I I I see it in my in my classes where I'm trying to encourage them to come up with the answer as opposed I'm like I don't want to tell you the answer because my answer, because a lot of this is subjective too. Absolutely. My answer is going to be different. Well, like, we're both in the arts. Like the arts are mm-hmm. completely subjective. They're completely subjective. And so there is not an abs. I mean, unless you're looking at who the author of something is. And even then it can be subjective. <laughs> Shakespeare, what? Um, <laughs> but it, it's, I think it's, it's uncomfortable for some young people to be told it is okay to not know, but you need to, even if we're just talking through it, have an opinion, Absolutely. take a stance. Maybe in talking about it, you're going to change it. That's awesome. Be open to changing it, be opening to hearing it, but it, it there, it's not black and white. It's not absolute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need to get away from, I think, this mindset because I, I think it's also where we're seeing some of these perspectives of my way is the only right way of thinking on both sides, on all Mm -hmm. sides and it trickling up to the top and this digging in of the heels. And it's like, we need to take a breath and, and listen. Yeah. Um, 
And you can Ooh. disagree kindly and politely. And sometimes you shouldn't disagree kindly and politely. There are things that I think you need to be loud and obnoxious and rude Absolutely. about. <laughs> but. But I mean, the the basic, if you go, I mean, since politics is kind of the, the through thread here, if you dig down to the, the basics of the Republican platform versus the Democrat platform, mm-hmm. they're just very, very basic ideals. Mm-hmm. And both of them have very good reasons for feeling that way. And there's a reason why when you look at the map of the electoral college in the country, the middle of the country is red and the outside mm-hmm. is blue. There's a reason for that. And no one, I feel like, especially this cycle, no one was asking the question as to why those colors were the way they were, why the why the country was so divided. Mm-hmm. And if we realized, oh, Republicans are generally Republicans because that platform favors an agricultural society mm-hmm. versus Democrats whose platform favors a progressive coastal society it would it it alleviates that pressure of oh these people are evil all they want is to hurt people when really they're looking out for their own best interests just like we are mm-hmm. and I think tying this all back together in a beautiful little bow I think ultimately that's my goal this year is to just constantly remember my rem- remember <laughs> and wake up every morning being like, okay, how can I see the logic in someone else's argument today? Now, I'm not saying that people who are known like sexual predators or things like that should have certain <laughs> should have a voice in certain conversations but i i'm saying in in general everyday life like there's no reason for these arguments there's no reason to sit down with someone and say oh you're wrong i'm right and there's just nothing else to say here right cuz i'm i i love my polars i love polarizing <laughs> there are certain issues for me that have become uh, I hate to say the word deal breaker, but mm. um, where I uh, have have uh, stopped a relationship with someone because of yeah. of how um, because of a difference and and fundamental difference in how we think because it comes mm-hmm. down then to me of a, a moral issue. Yeah. Um, with with my morals not matching that person's morals and mm-hmm. and uh, I don't want to have a relationship with somebody who thinks that this is a certain thing is okay and that's I think what has become challenging is that we do have some of these issues that are uh human rights and 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 you know um fundamental rights that are Mm -hmm. are being attacked and being taken away and because I, I look at people like my parents. My parents are what we call Reagan Republicans. Yay. Uh, they, you know, they voted Republican up until, uh, give or take. But it was uh, like, I remember, I think they both voted for George Jr. first time around. Hmm. Um, and after that, they they went Democrat because there was a shift. But they were very much there. You know, they're fiscally conservative. Mm hmm and and but consider themselves progressive in in terms of of uh social issues um but there has 
that used to be in the 70s, the 80s, the I mean, there used to be a real different divide between most Republicans and Democrats. And it has there is a shift. There's a absolutely a shift. <laughs> it's happened. And I mean, the same way that that and, you know, this is again, this is a whole Mm-hmm. But whole the different problems, podcast episode. A whole different podcast episode. But the problems with the two-party system and the problems yeah. with because, like, I, I vote Democrat because I can't vote Republican. I like I <laughs> honestly, I, I honestly yeah. can't do it. Um, but is that the party I would like to vote for? No, I wish there were socialists all over the place that I could vote for. <laughs> there, there's, there's a lot of things where I'm like, I again, the, the two party system is problematic, and mm-hmm. but you start to get into okay, how do we address some of these problems? And you have to address the electoral college. You have to address, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, we need to do an overhaul of the system, mm-hmm. but nobody really knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the point I was trying to get at though and 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 you point out the flaw in or not the flaw but the 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 caveat in that is that the people that you're cutting out and the people you're you're drawing the line in the sand with generally are people that you were already in relationship with and you hit that wall of saying we're never going to agree on this and to me this is an actual human rights issue this is a yeah. thing that you we have to agree on it's not Oh, I see this person on the television. I have no idea what their oh, name is, what their history is, or right. things like that. No, the, no. Like that therein lies the difference. And I think we've forgotten the fact that you can disagree with someone on lesser things. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But it's, yeah, we've, <laughs> this world has become so polarized and it's so hard to honestly get to the it feels like we'll never get to the point of fixing the things that we need to fix like education like the the government since systems things like that because we're so wrapped up in everything else that's going on that getting to the actual root of the matter it's like we're constantly fighting those symptoms and those symptoms are just we can't win them because we can't even get to the root of the problem well and that's right i think we might because i think we're already seeing it that it's going to become more and more state by state for a lot Mm -hmm. of things. Um, Now, uh, again, we'll see what happens in the next four years with, with Biden. Um, I think if, if Trump had won the election, uh, that we would have seen, because I know again, living in, in Washington state and, and, you know, living in New York, there's states that would have pushed back, Absolutely. And and with some of the policies he was looking to do would have just been like, OK, no. cool. Well, we're going to do our own thing then. Yep. <laughs> has already done that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I worry that with the divide is becoming more pronounced and voices are being given to some thoughts and some feelings that are are. I think we're always there, but uh it's becoming acceptable to voice some things again that shouldn't mm-hmm. we, we shouldn't be talking about you know some of these some of the discrimination that's popping up and 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 the white supremacy and stuff where i'm like how the fuck are we back here 
We. <laughs> I even mentioned in, in the Deaths of 2020 special, they did an in memoriam section and they were like listing all of these civil rights leaders who passed away. Mm-hmm. They were all like well into their hundreds or nineties mm-hmm. or hundreds. I'm like, we're a hundred years later and they never got to see it change. Like a hundred years. Fuck are we back here? <laughs> and it's, and again, you, because when you have leadership that, that doesn't condemn and leadership that seems to endorse then people feel okay voicing opinions that maybe well, they wouldn't and, get themselves and on top of that leadership that doesn't encourage actual education yeah i yeah. honestly truly i think that's the fix i think yeah. if we were able to across the board change the public education system yeah. into a system that that encourages inquisitiveness and encourages curiosity we would see a shift very quickly over just a couple generations of how the country works and how it runs and how people interact just because people are more willing to ask questions One, and or I'm able to ask to questions. On more equity, I mean, mm-hmm. y- y- we talk about the, the, the red-blue divide and not exclusively, but again, you, you do look at a lack of access to proper education mm-hmm. and 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 also the the poverty cycle like yeah. and and that comes back to what you're saying about socialism i mean we <laughs> you know we're we're a country who um holds on to this idea of of everyone pulling themselves up by the bootstraps and 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 yet we don't have a a system in place like our minimum wage is not actually a minimum wage mm-hmm. there was a except time- in like seattle <laughs> <laughs> well but but in manhattan <laughs> but recent and even yes. then there's look at all the pushback yeah and even even then is to live in seattle mm-hmm. yeah the minimum wage got hiked up to 15 dollars an hour you can't live in seattle on 15 dollars an hour no you can't no unless you're unless you're very very lucky (laughs) unless you're very very lucky or you live in there are some pockets of neighborhoods that Mm -hmm. are not necessarily places that or unless like my old apartment apartment. (laughs) but i mean like or or all Mm -hmm. of your this idea of being able to pay your rent put money in savings pay down debt if you have student savings what what are savings Uh, buying like saving to buy a place that it's it's there 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 is this idea that i think a certain generation is clinging to Mm. either willfully ignorant or they know that it's not true and they just don't give a fuck because it doesn't affect them that uh yeah, I was able to do this when I was when I was their age back in the 60s. And, and disregarding the fact that things, A, proportionately were a lot cheaper back then, oh, yeah. but also yeah. a lot of them coming from the child of, of an immigrant family, mm-hmm. um, a lot of them were immigrant families who, as soon as they got to the U.S., were able to build themselves a fairly good quote-unquote empire. Mm-hmm. and were able to help pay for their children to do things and wanted to do that to give their children a better life. So things weren't necessarily as difficult for them in that way either because they had people who not only wanted to help them but were able to help them. 
Yeah. Um, versus my parents want to help me, but they can't necessarily because life is so expensive now. <laughs> yeah. And and prices have gone up, but pay and and resources have not matched it. Yeah. And I mean, again, we're recycling the same. <laughs> the same, same arguments yeah and arguments um but it's it's something that affects our generation so much because we mm. can't be homeowners and we can't be we can't save for things like god forbid a massive illness happens or a tragedy happens or or like you know i i i take public transit because i can't afford I, I mean, can't why, afford to keep a vehicle around. Yeah. You know? I mean, why do you think life simulation games are one of the biggest games on the market? Mm -hmm. Because it allows us to feel like, oh, I can buy a house. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can like just click a button and I have a million dollars and now I can just do whatever the heck I want with my house. And it it gives us that sense of, oh, this is what our <laughs> this, is <laughs> this is what our grandparents and parents must have felt like a little bit. And now we're just like, well, I hope I can afford an apartment at some point <laughs> i i sometimes have the thought of like because my parents are getting to the age of of you know they've retired and or mostly retired my dad still consults a little because he likes it mm. um but i was talking to my mom the other day because she's like our house is getting to be a lot for for me to take mm -hmm. care of and and at some point in the next couple of years we'll probably downsize and and i'm i'm looking at this and i'm thinking to myself am i going to ever be able to retire am i ever going to be able to you know and and i have some friends who like friends from high school friends who who will talk about well you you could get a get a normal human job and i'm like you're right i could get a normal human job i could i could not work in the arts i could not work in not-for-profit arts i hate when people say that though it's like i'm sorry first off this is a job second of all <laughs> you need this job to exist because otherwise culture would be a very different thing like ever ever seen any of those dystopian future movies what's the first thing that's missing well, <laughs> why is and, it dystopian <laughs> and i mean i i feel like it's something a lot of people are kind of being willfully ignorant about in the pandemic yeah. what have we all what have we all been doing during the pandemic sitting around listening to music listening to podcasts mm -hmm. watching tv watching tv reading okay. magazines mm -hmm. where does the money for these things come from it's there, there is this this idea that art is not valued except <sighs> artists are not valued um, unless they're being mass marketed. Unless they're being mass marketed, and uh, it's it's frustrating because it's also you know I I appreciate the parents who reach out to me. And the students who reach out, I had a student recently who I taught a couple of years ago, who is now like graduating high school and who reached out to me to just say, and I haven't had her in a class in years, but she wanted to just let me know that how much the classes meant to her, how much she learned, how much they shaped her. And I, I cherish those because it makes me feel like, okay, I am doing the right thing. I am doing the thing I should be doing, even if it means you know yeah being in crippling debt from from student loans and from things i might not ever be able to repay uh if it means that i i never have a normal life um and never get to to do some of the the things that's okay 
uh, I'm doing a good thing, but man, there's days it's hard. It's hard to struggle. It's hard to, and again, I'm, I'm privileged. I have, uh, I have a very supportive family. I have a good place to live that I is, is, you know, uh, reasonably priced. Um, but, uh, and, and I acknowledge that, that I'm very, very lucky, mm-hmm. but man, it's, it's, it's hard. And it's hard to have people say to you, cause I, in the same breath that they tell me, they don't know anyone who works as much as I do or stays as busy as I do, but also you should make some money and, and not, then you wouldn't right. have to worry about, it. maybe you wouldn't have to work so hard. And I like working. I like working hard. Mm-hmm. I like being busy, but yeah, it'd be nice to. <laughs> I, I, I had that exact conversation with my roommate the other day of I realized that I haven't up, up until the holidays I hadn't mm-hmm. taken a day off all year yeah even when I was moving back and forth I was still working I would mm-hmm. sew something each day or mm-hmm. or edit a podcast or or work on my website or whatever it was there was not a day that he didn't have off until like Christmas Eve was when I was finally like you know what I need two days of nothing yeah <laughs> Yeah. And then I felt guilty for not working because then I had, I had clients who were like, Hey, is my thing done? I'm like, I took a day off. I'm sorry. I needed it. I desperately needed it for my sanity. And yet I'm still sitting here and December was the hardest month for me. And I, if I hadn't gotten Christmas money from my grandma, I wouldn't have made rent and I was still working every single day. So it's, it's a, this world, (laughs) it's a a strange thing. It's, it's it's a it's a a crazy monster that we've created for ourselves. It is. Uh and and I mean circling back a little to what we'd started with, mm-hmm. I hopefully 2021 will bring some different opportunities, some yeah. new opportunities, some hope, some yes. light. <laughs> um I think I think that's been part of 2020 at least for me is that a lot of the stuff I feel like I can kind of handle the stress of in the day to day when everything else is relatively okay. When the world feels like it's crashing and burning around you. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We will get there. 2021. We'll get there. 2021. We'll get there. (laughs) As can be said by the crash from the living room. (laughs) 2021. Um, I'll get to hug someone again. (laughs) Oh my God. There's the goal. There's the ultimate goal. Um, Well, on that positive note, (laughs) (laughs) um, where can people find you online? Uh, Online. They can, they can find, uh, the podcast Gabby and I do ghoulish tendencies, which is available wherever you listen to podcasts, all the <laughs> Apple podcasts and the other podcast words that <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> and of. it's very worth listening to, by the way. Just just putting that out there. I'm <laughs> well, a I'm you. a faithful listener. <laughs> uh on Twitter, where I mostly talk about horror films, you can find me at Seattle Screams. Uh on lay Instagram, I think I'm just Kim period Douthit, D-O-U-T-H-I-T. It's a lot of pictures of my cat and my whiskey. Perfect. So you're welcome. <laughs> That's all we need. That's all we need in life. It is true. It's true. Um, and you guys know where to find us. If you're not following us on Instagram or Twitter, we're yeah, dot, but no, we're not. 
where yeah but pod that's sorry i rebranded everything and my brain just reverted to last year uh yeah but pod on twitter and instagram if you want to email us your questions concerns freakouts anything uh it's yeah.but.podcast at gmail.com uh and if you leave us a five-star review i'll read it on the air i've gotten a lot of five stars but no one ever writes anything so it's like well cool i guess you didn't want a shout out <laughs> but thanks now for I the want reviews a shout out, so i'm gonna have to write something because i want a shout out do it <laughs> i need the validation <laughs> all right kim thank you so so much for for sitting down it's been way too long it has been way too long <laughs> and one of these days i'll be able to go back to new york yes yes please all right we will see you all later bye Thank you for listening to Yeah But with Vivian Gabor. Tune in next week, same place, same time. Yeah.